Welcome to the Dietitian Boss Podcast. I'm Libby Rothschild, creator of Dietitian Boss. After almost four years of sitting in my dimly lit, windowless clinical office, I had enough. I wanted to feel like my work mattered, so I did something about it. I created a program that empowers dietitians and nutritionists to create their own private practice from scratch and emboldens already established practitioners to think bigger. My method provides a step-by-step process to improve how you market yourself on social media so your presence can become far more profitable and help more people. Hello, Dietitian Boss. I'm super excited for today's topic, and that is about private practice. What is private practice? Why do you need to start one? What does it really mean? Now, recently, Jan and I talked about program updates, and I discussed that a big upgrade in the existing Dietitian Boss group coaching experience is that we've created opportunities for you to make revenue in other ways outside of just coaching or doing an online program, meaning we show you how to create courses and we have structure in place to help you create passive income earlier than you had even expected because private practice means more than just providing traditional coaching. And so I talked about that and I mentioned it a lot in the program and with my clients, but I still find that a lot of you understandably are not clear with what does it mean to start and own a private practice. So we're going to discuss that today in depth. So you're clear of the opportunities. Dietitian Boss helps you start and grow a private practice. But again, what does that mean? Is that what you want? Why haven't you started yet? Are you setting goals? Do those goals make sense? So we're going to dive in to the 101 of private practice. And then, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the traditional clinical model. If you've been following me for any length of time, you know, I discuss very often clinical versus private practice. I do want to mention private practice is not for everyone. If you love clinical and you want to stay there, by all means, that is absolutely acceptable. There will always be a need for clinicians My business and what we do here at Dietitian Boss expands your mind and opportunities beyond clinical. So you can keep clinical and build your practice on the side, or you can leave clinical. Better yet, you can skip it. A big part of what I do and why I do what I do is to be a disruptor in the industry because dietetics is traditionally created to reproduce clinicians, but that's not what consumers need. So there's a mismatch as far as what people want and what's offered and and how we're being educated ground up, right? The traditional framework and model of the curriculum and dietetics is almost a century old, yet technology and the needs of consumers are evolved, right? So we need to catch up. And that's where my company and my thoughts and, and my desires to create what I've created with this company have come into play is to solve for the problem of the curriculum and dietetics not matching the demands of the market, right? Because the market wants help and they want consultations and they want courses and opportunities from people who know and can really solve their problems, but there's not enough of us out there offering those opportunities because 
we're scared. We don't know how, we don't understand the options. And that's what I'm here for, right? To explain and walk you through it. And, and you can learn from my content, right? From my podcast, my YouTube, my Instagram. And you can also get a deeper dive and more individualization when you join one of my programs. You do not have to choose, you can do both, right? But most turn private practice either into their side business if they wanted to be part-time or their full-time business if they choose to do that and how they define full-time. Keep in mind, as I said earlier, at less than 10% or even some stats, I believe CDR says only 3% go into private practice according to the statistics that we have. And 60% or more of dietitians become clinicians, right? They go into that clinical trajectory. And it's often because of what I mentioned earlier, we've been conditioned, curriculum shows us that one path and we're not really educated or we have a lack of belief or confidence because we haven't been exposed to the opportunities. And so that's what I'm here to do is, is educate you on what those opportunities are, let you know you're not the first right, to be able to go through those pathways, but you would be a trendsetter if you choose the path of private practice. So what is private practice anyway, right? It is the work of a professional practitioner, such as a doctor or a lawyer who is self-employed. That's simple, that is the dictionary definition. I wish they also said dietitian, right? Because the definition says doctor or lawyer. So we wanna add in dietitians in there as well, but just, again, it's just self-employed. That private practice just means you are not employed by a government entity. So you are self-employed. And so when you're self-employed, that just means you have your online business. So basically private practice means you're running an online business. The reason I like the verbiage private practice is because it's more centered towards clinicians and, and those of you who have a background in an allied healthcare field. And so it, it's a little bit more professional and it feels like something that we can really own and adopt, but we need to break down the barriers of what we think private practice means. The model in private practice is evolving rapidly, even though there's a disconnect, right? A dichotomy between the curriculum is old school, right? Archaic in school, yet the, the needs of consumers, especially with COVID being a disruptor, are changing. And so because of that, there's a disconnect. Many people think private practice needs to be back-to-back one-on-sessions sessions, or the traditional model I hear from a lot of dietitians that those that come to me that have gotten started, they might offer an initial and a follow-up or initial and two follow-ups. And they think they need to fill their roster, you know, 30, 35 sessions a week with these initial follow-ups and they don't offer packages or they're offering, you know, $800 an hour or 45 minutes. And that's not only not sustainable, but that model, that's, it doesn't make any sense. And so that, that is a very traditional thought process. I'll just offer an initial and two follow-ups for private practice, but the private practice means so much more than that. Again, the definition just means that you have a business and you're self-employed. That's it. So we're going to talk about what the options are in the ever-evolving model of private practice. I first want to talk about something that comes up a lot in my group. And even though I talk about it quite a bit, it still comes up. So there's a need for it to be reinforced. A lot of my clients and dietitians that, you know, aspiring, they want to be dietitian bosses. They come to me thinking they need a website and they come to me thinking they need an LLC before they can start. And that's just not true. 
if you have no clients, you do not need an illegal entity until you've gotten your business off the ground. So focus on getting your first paying customer and then get an LLC, right? And so the issue here is that we're putting the cart before the horse. And because of that, a lot of dietitians have this mismatch of what they should focus on and prioritize. And it's holding you back from actually doing what you need to do, which is market because marketing is what's going to get you clients. And that's what we teach in the dietitian boss method is how to prioritize getting clients. Do you need a legal entity, right? Do you need some kind of a, do you need to go through a process, perhaps get an LLC? Yes, absolutely. Do you need to do it before you've gotten any clients? No, no, you don't. You need to get a client. So focus first on putting yourself out there, promoting yourself and attracting a client. And once someone pays you or they're ready to pay you, that's when you can file for an LLC. The website issue, unless it, you don't need that either, so the way that I show you how to get clients is by using social media. So yes, you do need a website at some point. Again, order of operations. You do not need a website as your first touch point. And let me explain why many of you don't know what you want to be when you grow up or you think you have an idea. Maybe you say, I want to do uh, something related to IBS, right? I want to do irritable bowel syndrome, something in chronic disease management realm, and that's, that's great, but if you, and that's a start, right? So for those of you that have an inkling as to what, what direction you're going, you still have to do some work and massage that and define your business. And until your business is defined and you've got proof of concept, meaning you've gotten someone in the door that's paid you, and so you know you're on the right track, your website is null and void because you're creating this content and copy on the website, but you don't know who you're speaking to. So what I suggest if you have a website is that you keep it minimal, but there's money involved in website and a lot of cost where if you start, if you define your ideal client in your business and you start showing your face on social, it's an easier, faster way to define and identify who you're talking to and how you're helping them. And then after you hit a revenue goal, you can later go about a website. So again, I'm not saying that you should never have a website. I think that they can be handy, but I don't think it's the first line of defense when it comes to building your business. When you want to build your business, you got to get out there, get scrappy, attract clients and find out that there's proof of concept with your idea before you assume your idea makes sense to only you and no one else. Then you make a website that doesn't resonate with anyone except for you. I see that happen so much. So I'm trying to save you from that aggravation by prioritizing order of operations. So in summary, number one, define your ideal client. We've got a freebie on the website, upper right corner, libbyrothschild.com, if you want to dive into that. And then extensive support in my program to help you out with that, because often that process is going to take some back and forth feedback and clarity from my team. So number one, business definition. Number two, you want to uh, you know, promote your services. Number three, you want to help serve a client, right? Get your first few clients. Number four, you want to validate that, in fact, what you think, what you hypothesize people want and need is, in fact, true. And that is what they need. So you're proving, okay, you know, I thought IBS, I thought I'd help manage chronic bloat. Turns out that I have served a couple of folks in doing that with success. Therefore, I've codified my vision and I'm going to take that as a first draft and then put it onto a website after I've made X amount of dollars. That, to me, makes more sense because you are putting more of your energy and time into what matters, which is defining your business less on the ribbons and bows, which is a pretty website that without a defined business doesn't mean anything. So let's move on. 
after I discussed the LLC and the website factor, which come up a lot, I want to talk a little bit about articles that I've seen and some other myths as far as private practice. So I, I'm looking at actually a particular article from Andy DRD, who is a Canadian dietitian, and he's ranked, he's got a couple of awards on his website, Dietitians of Canada since 2017 and awarded top 100 nutrition blogs. Go Andy. And he has a nice little piffy summary on his website, which I like. He's got a five rules of private practice. I'm a big fan of listicles. So I want to share with you his rules. And then I want to share with you mine, because I think there's some parallels here between us and his thought process. Now I'm going to share his five rules. Number one, think years, not months, right? So the concept is in it to win it for the long haul. Number two, you'll need another job. So if you're putting all your emphasis on just private practice, you might need another revenue stream if you are depending on yourself for revenue. Number three, you need to find the right space. He's talking about an office, although I would say virtual space. And I would also add some subtext space to me means your space in your realm of your specialty. So finding the right space of where you position yourself and then online is the way to go. Number four, get used to being on 24-7. I don't know if I fully agree with that. Work-life balance is a core value of Dietitian Boss. So we do tell you and show you and inspire you to be active on social, but you definitely need to shut it down. But I get what Andy's trying to say. He's saying that, you know, being the growing your brand is a process and it's something that you do need to show up for on a regular basis. So I get that logic, but I would say there are boundaries. And then number five, treat every client like your last. And so what he's saying here is that, you know, you really want to focus on customer service. So those are Andy's five. And I added the subtext there, right? So just as a recap, think years, not months, you need another job, you need to find the right space, get used to being on 24 seven and treat every client like your last. My list, as far as what I suggest, I've got nine pillars here. Number one, put marketing first. I already explained why. If you go and get an LLC without a client, that doesn't make any sense. You want to get the client first and then go through the legal entity process. Okay. So everything has to start with marketing. Number two, private practice isn't about the client amount. It's about the business model. So that is a little bit complex. Let me take a moment and explain that. The business model can vary from uh, online group coaching, private coaching, courses, memberships, various different ways to make money, also including brand sponsorships. So we're going to get into that in a minute, but I see a lot of you in in dietitian Facebook groups, et cetera, saying things such as what's considered full-time. And it's funny because that to me, that's an archaic question because client amount doesn't indicate full-time anymore because the model shifted, right? So full-time can be determined in many other ways outside of client load. Full-time is only relevant if you're just seeing clients one-on-one. If you're running group programs and memberships like many of my clients, it's more about the hours per week total that you're working, right? And that's going to indicate your your status, full-time, part-time, et cetera. And that's what you have the ability to create in private practice. So private practice is no longer solely about the client sessions you see per week because the business model has evolved to mean so much more than one-on-one client uh, sessions. Number three, you create the model you want. I believe everybody in private practice has to learn the business basics, meaning low ticket versus high ticket. Low ticket meaning an affordable option that could be the business model of a membership, 
perhaps it's cheaper, right? So $20, right? $15. Several of my clients current and past offer low ticket memberships and they've been on the podcast. Ryan Kipping is one of them. Britton Coleman is another one versus high ticket. So a model that might be more expensive, I believe uh, Lauren Smith from Sorority Nutritionist has a higher ticket offer, right? So group coaching that's thousands and thousands of dollars or private coaching that's thousands and thousands of dollars. Number four, you can switch your area of specialty. I have so many dietitians that have started in one path and gone to another and they don't now hem and haw over the process of changing. They look back and say, I'm glad I started. Because it's, it's pretty common, right? If you, Bonnie Roney talked about it, she started with weight loss and then switched to food freedom and it made her feel really aligned and it was a good decision for her. And you know, now she gets to do what she loves doing and the process to get there might've taken her a few extra months, but she looks back and feels really aligned and that's beautiful. So your journey to get to where you want to be to how you want to position yourself and define your business you know, for some of you, it might be a one month process. And for others of you, it could be three to six months. But in that process, you have to be kind to yourself and know that this is a journey, right? So you can absolutely switch your specialty. That's part of the process. And defining your specialty is what helps you stand out. And that's super important. Number five, private practice can be part-time or full-time. You can design the life you want, right? I already mentioned that earlier about my the bones I have to pick about private, about part-time. And I hear all these conversations, which to me are, are just not seeing that private practice. It's indicating that people don't see that private practice does not just mean one business model. So part-time and full-time again, are not just defined by client amount, especially if you're doing a membership like Ryan Kipping, you've got over a thousand members, right? So it's going to be just a different way to define part-time and full-time. Number six, community is huge. There are are others like you out there innovating? I couldn't recommend more or suggest more to join a community. And that's why I've created Dietitian Boss. And one of the big reasons that we offer group coaching is because I see as an innovator in the field, because there's so few of us in private practice, right? Anywhere from three to 10% of dietitians to, based on CDR stats versus the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetic Salary Compensation Survey. Those are where I got those two stats and 10% respectively in private practice. You are the minority in getting started. And so it's important to find like-minded people so that you can increase your motivation, find friends along the way, know that you're not alone. And that helps with your mindset. And there's nothing more important than mindset. So joining a like-minded community of those starting private practice, and then those who are operating private practice, right? As you progress and you have proof of concept and you're hitting your revenue goals is huge sharing that journey. And also sharing that journey with people who both agree and, and disagree with your philosophy, because that's going to really help you have different perspectives and, and be uh, complete as a human being so that you're not biased. So I respect people who I've got clients that vary from, you know, food freedom and they, they have uh, strong opinions about being anti-diet and weight neutral. And then I have clients who are weight loss dietitians and we all can be in the same room in the same conversation and respect one another and I think that that's a, a life lesson is to understand that people are different than you. It's okay. You respect them. Just like, you know, consumers have different healthcare needs. They want different health outcomes. And, and when we operate together and support one another, we create a better environment for our clients and, and for each other. 
Number seven, think about your vision. So it's really important to think about what you're doing, which is your your mission, the day-to-day of your business. And then the vision is the larger picture. So what is the body of work that you're creating and how is this going to impact people? And so for Dietitian Boss, a big aspect of our vision is to be a disruptor in the industry and to change uh, the industry and really give dietitians the opportunity and, and give them the support and the tactical roadmap, how to start and grow and then successfully operate a virtual private practice. And that hasn't been done before, right? Especially not with social media. And that's what makes us unique is that we specialize in helping you use social media. We've got proof of concept. So the vision of dietitian boss is a disruption in the industry, much needed disruption. And then we quantify that. We have goals, right? Helping 10,000 dietitians serve a million consumers in the next 20 years. And that's going to help us stay on track to make sure that we are on our way towards being disruptors. Number eight, think about your why. You know, why is this important to you? I just had a coaching call with uh, Society, all right? That's the, the program, Dietitian Boss group, group Coaching Program is called Society. And a, a lot of them, the, my clients who are doing great work to work through the roadmap and, and make progress and work through checklists to get up and running, right? A lot of them have a hard time linking back, either defining their why or going back and really living their why, right? Why are you doing what you're doing? What does that mean to you? And so I'm constantly reminding my clients and asking them to explain, you know, why are you doing this? What motivates you? How can we have that concept be front of mind? And then sharing your vulnerability is a big piece that's going to help you stand out as a, you know, when you're marketing, and it's also going to motivate you internally. So thinking about your why, living your why, expressing your why, marketing with your why are all key elements for you as a practitioner to be able to grow. And then number nine, think big. Hiring help is going to help you codify your vision. And it could be as small as a virtual assistant. It could be as big as your first staff member. Dr. Heather Finley, a Dietitian Boss alumni, hired her first staff member, which is absolutely incredible, right? Hiring a coach under her, a dietitian to help her see patients, right? See clients in the virtual setting. That's huge. So whether you're hiring an employee, a contractor, whether it's a virtual assistant, graphic designer, an administrator, whatever you need to do in your company, to help you help more people, right? Think about your vision. When you grow, you're gonna need to think bigger. So depending on what your goal is, if you're looking to scale and you're looking to impact more people, getting help is going to be a huge part of that. So again, I wanna list out my nine steps, my nine thoughts about private practice, this time without the subtext. Number one, put marketing first. Number two, private practice isn't about the client amount. It's about the business model. Number three, you create the model you want. You got to learn business basics, especially what does it mean to offer a lower priced option versus a higher priced option. Number four, you can switch your area of specialty. Number five, private practice can be part-time or full-time. You design the life you want. Number six, community is huge. There are others like you innovating. Join a community. Number seven, think about your mission. Number eight, think about your why. Number nine, think big hiring help is going to help you codify your vision. I want to wrap up with just a a couple final thoughts on today's podcast episode. 
what does it mean to make money on your own terms? So in module one of my program in society, I break down income streams. And so I think this is going to help you conceptualize what I mean by my thoughts about the business model, right? Because I said private practice isn't about client amount, it's about the business model. And so let me break that down a little bit more. And this is straight from my module, um, my offer module in the program. I'm going to break down a couple of different uh, revenue types. And, and this really funnels into what it means to make money on your own terms. We've got active income, passive income, and reoccurring revenue or reoccurring income. And let me define this. So active income is service-based like coaching. And, and so that could mean you're providing a one-off coaching session. It could mean you're providing a package, right? Where someone is committed and they pay to be with you for three months and, or it could mean running a group coaching program, even though running a group coaching program helps you see more people at one time and it's more profitable, it's still considered active income. Another revenue stream and a revenue type would be passive income. And technically that means money earned without time commitment. And that could be a course, right? Or an ebook, a recipe book, something of that nature. Keep in mind though, that passive income does require work up front and it does require you to adjust the product to ensure that what you're selling is giving your audience, your, your market, your clients, what they want. And that, that definitely takes some strategy, right? So that's why I suggest in my methodology, I show you how to create passive income after you've been able to run several clients through your program. And I define how many clients, I show you what program, I've got templates of how to set up your online program, but I really want you to get some clients under your belt. And if you've already worked with clients before, maybe in brick and mortar or in other you know, ways, if those clients don't fit under the specialty that you're marketing, you, you got to start over because it, what's important is to make sure that what you're selling and the outcome you're selling is actually in alignment with what people want related to your specialty. So let's go back to the IBS specialty, just for purposes of example, if you're helping somebody with bloat and that's how you position yourself, but you've only helped other people with weight loss in the past. So you do, you know, you have client experience, maybe you even have helped client in your, in your virtual private practice, if you, if you already have one, but if you haven't had success from somebody who's looking to manage their bloat, then you got to start from the beginning, run several clients through to help them with the outcome of managing their bloat. And then once you've achieved that, seeing how they respond, that's when creating passive income is going to be more successful. Because if you create a passive income product, like a course off the bat, and you have no idea if what you're making is in alignment with what they want, it's, it's not the best use of your time. So that's why I suggest the order of operations being that you first focus on active income, even if you do it just a little bit, right? Although I, I think focusing on active income, the more the better really, because you're really going to get aware, hyper aware of what your clients want and need. And that's something we discuss in my executive program where I have my highest earners uh, that work with me in executive making anywhere upwards of $20,000 a month. We do discuss you know, active income and passive income and, and how to position my clients offers with respect to their launch schedule, their goals, their, you know, they set a goal for how much time they want to work per week and how much money they want to make per month. And then we reverse engineer the process to get there based on their desires. Cause some of my clients don't like coaching. Some of my clients would prefer a course. And so based on what they like to do, 
and where they want to go, we set specific goals and action steps. And that's, that's a lot of fun. And that's something you can look forward to if you're in the beginning of your journey, right? And you want to know what's ahead. Uh, that's ahead is your ability to create the life that you want on your terms and, and really design private practice to work for you. Reoccurring income uh, is technically residual income, such as a membership. So technically, membership isn't passive if you are constantly updating the membership, right? Typically, memberships mean that you're going to be adding content and material as maybe one of your deliverables on a regular basis. And if that's the case, you're getting month-to-month payments and you're adding content regularly so that that's more of a, what that would fall into a residual income category, So you are, the money's dripping out, but it's not a one and done type of a situation. There are other revenue streams. Those are the main three, active, passive, and recurring. Again, I suggest everybody in private practice that's starting, especially with online, virtual private practice starts with active income at first. There are other ways to make money, of course, brand sponsorships, writing books, creating recipes, there's all doing talks. There's all kinds of other ways, other non-traditional ways that you can make money, which can be really fun. Again, just emphasizing active, passive, and reoccurring. And I've got a lot of clients that are that fall into those categories. So Davika, who is a Dietitian Boss alumni, has a cookbook from a publisher that she's created. And she's discussing that on air soon. And then Fatima, Dietitian Boss and Executive Program, has a self-published cookbook that she's launched successfully. And then I've got clients that run group programs like Maya Bach. I've got uh, clients like dietitian boss alumni, Casey Farlow. She offers a high-end coaching program. And then I've got clients that offer uh, actually an alumni client, uh, Zoe Klein. She's a social worker and she offers private coaching, right? So higher-end private coaching. And then I've got Britton, who uh, is an executive and she offers membership, right? So all kinds of different ways you can see current and past clients are offering different ways to make money in practice, but they all started with active income. So they might end up staying there, right? Zoe Klein, she enjoys that. That's what she's chosen. Or they might evolve like my box. She started with private coaching, evolved to group coaching, or they might start with some type of active income, whether it's a group or private, and then evolve from, let's say, private coaching to group coaching, to then a cookbook or to then membership courses, et cetera. The other myths I want to share before we sign off would be, I've read a lot. I I constantly keep my eye on what are people saying and doing in private practice. And I see that the common myths online are that timing is everything. You have to wait till you're registered as a dietitian and you need two years clinical experience. So if you follow me with any regularity on social, you know that I dispel these myths very often. I dispel them on YouTube. I talk about them here on the podcast and then also on Instagram very regularly. I just want to do a little bit of a recap because repetition is queen. So as far as the first myth about timing is everything with the new model, I think that this might be outdated advice, right? So with the new model of what private practice is, because we've defined that private practice is not limited to consults and back-to-back private sessions, Timing is not everything. You can start your private practice, meaning you can get clients and run them in a group program. You do an education-based program while you're a student. So you can start this as a small side business. You don't have to go all or nothing, right? This doesn't have to be something that 
you know, you have to wait until you want to do it full time, or you need to wait till a certain time in your life. That's just not true. You can start your private practice at any point and you can evolve the model in any way that you want. And so I, I think it's better to get started sooner. And then number two, you have to wait until you're registered as a dietitian. So I did just cover that. And I've talked about that on previous episodes and I've had at least five clients of mine, some still students, some are now dietitians who have shared their, their story. They've been interviewed on this podcast as being successful with, as students, which is incredible. And our instructor, Yah, is still a student, right? She'll be internship when she's accepted this summer. And she's been able to successfully grow her private practice and contribute as a coach in this program, which is incredible. And so she is a role model. She's leading the way for you to show you that you don't have to wait until you're registered. You can start as a student. There are some limitations with MNT. So you want to be offering a uh, education-based program and be careful about scope of practice, but that doesn't mean you can't. You definitely can. You just need to make sure that you are compliant with some of the regulations so that you are being mindful. And then two years of clinical experience, perhaps my favorite and what I might be most known for dispelling as a myth. So the two years of clinical experience is just something that has been going around as a rumor that preceptors and perhaps your colleagues all tell you that you need more time to be considered an expert when really you're already an expert. So as you know, I've said it before, you do not need two years of clinical experience. You, you don't need any. In fact, as you're getting the required clinical experience in your internship is when you can start your private practice, right? Start promoting yourself, start defining your business, start putting yourself out there. That's the best time to get started is, is earlier on. You don't need to wait. People, consumers are out there and they need help. And they want it to know that you are there to provide them with a solution to their biggest problems, right? They want to be transformed. And so it's in your best interest to put yourself out there, attract clients organically through your content, because when you put out content that solves people's problems and you've defined your business and that will evolve over time, you'll get better with more practice. You're actually doing a service to the consumers who otherwise would get help from someone else. Because the truth is, if people have a big problem in a business, you got to solve big problems. You can't solve small problems. You got to solve big problems. So what I mean is if you have a paper cut and then you have a gushing toe, you're going to fix the gushing toe before the paper cut. And I see a lot of dietitians trying to do business and, and solve for a paper cut when consumers are going to pay for a gushing toe. What did I mean by that? And I've said this before, I'll say it again, optimum nutrition, meaning like lifestyle nutrition is not a bleeding toe. So you want to solve for something bigger than that. And listen to any of the past interviews to hear how our clients have found what the biggest problem is from consumers and how they're able to shift their messaging and attract cash paying clients with success. So that is something that's definitely important. And a big part of your success is going to be based on your ability to solve the biggest problem that people are willing to pay for. When you do that successfully and effectively, that's the secret, right? That's the ingredient to success is solving the biggest problem, not a small problem, but the biggest problem and the biggest problem that they have. So now going back to my example, if a consumer is looking for, let's say, let's go back to this bloat management example, just because for purposes of today, I've used that. If we've got uh, consumers that have bloat problems and I've, you know, I've got a lot of clients in that space, dozens, right? 
And so they often say that their clients feel like they go to bed pregnant. They're so bloated and it's very uncomfortable and they need help. They need to alleviate that, that pain and that tension and that discomfort, right? So if you think about it and somebody named, let's say Kayla, that's the woman I just made up that has bloat and she goes to bed feeling nine months pregnant. Those are her actual words. If she's going to bed feeling nine months pregnant and she's searching on social to try to find bloat relief, and if she doesn't find you and your content doesn't speak to the solution of managing her nine month pregnant feeling when she's not pregnant, she's just bloated and uncomfortable, she's going to purchase from someone else. And so we're doing a disservice to the folks who we want to help, who need our help if we don't position ourselves on social because they will work with someone else. If you solve a real problem and you don't put yourself out there and and you don't let people know you're taking clients and they can't tell explicitly what you're doing, people will go with someone else. So end of story to close this up and let you know, private practice means so many different things. There's a lot of different ways that you can spin private practice. It doesn't have to be full-time. You do not have to see clients one-on-one. You can run programs and memberships and brand sponsorships, whatever you want to do, but you have to solve the biggest problem. And if you don't do it, if you don't solve the biggest problem, somebody else will. And if you don't position yourself as an expert online, somebody else will, and they're going to help your clients before you do. So keep that in mind. That being said, I hope that this was inspiring and educational, and I'd love to know how do you want to see private practice working for you? So make sure to send me a DM on Instagram at Libby Rothschild and let me know what you thought about this episode and let me know what private practice means to you and how you want to design the private practice of your dreams to fit the lifestyle that you want. If you are inspired by this episode, click subscribe so we can fill your library with encouragement each week. Every day, your potential clients are searching online for professionals like you with the hopes of finding the right person who can make a genuine impact on their well-being and life. Join my group coaching program and follow the Dietitian Boss Method. You will be surrounded by other amazing dietitian bosses from around the world who will be there to cheer you on, support you, give you feedback, and provide you a spark for new ideas, all while following the proven Dietitian Boss Method. You will be able to share your successes and struggles with people who get it. Book a call with my team to learn how you can become your own boss.